In Jujutsu Kaisen, it isn't a stretch to say the value of one's cursed energy and the powers that bring them forth are not to be understated. From the big three families, Gojo, Kamo, and Zenin, to the powers of those deemed special grade, we see that one's cursed energy can bring respect, fear, and above all, notoriety. But what happens when the divine unknown powers that be decide to bless those with a different type of power? One so misunderstood that the family that seemed to be blessed with it the most failed to see its value, a mistake that would eventually lead to their annihilation. On this episode, we take a deep dive into the series Dark Horses, Maki and Toji Zenin, here on the Old Head Otaku. Hey y'all, it's been a minute. I know I've not promoted or talked about this show in a minute. I honestly, life happened quite literally. I did have a new baby. His name is Bear. He's happy. He's healthy. He's fitting just in. He's fitting just right in this home. Uh, so on top of that, I've been on super dad mode, super husband mode, just trying to make sure that the other my other two kids are are doing all right and they're taken care of. But yeah. I've had some cool stuff for this episode recorded for a minute, but I decided to re-record it and give you a more up-to-date update on my life so that you'd understand what was going on. But yes, I'm back at it. Um, Very excited. Excuse me if my voice feels a little harsh or sounds a little harsh on this. Uh, I'm just getting over being sick as well. But I digress. Back to the point. This episode is about Maki and Toji Zenin from Jujutsu Kaisen. Two characters who have, in my opinion, thrown an incredible and interesting wrench into the whole system of Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm excited to see where uh, we see Maki, in particular, go on. But we also have to talk about her predecessor, Toji. Also on this episode, we were going to have a really fun interview with a TikToker who I reached out to. Big fan of, love her content, Serena NTD. Uh, she uh, runs the Serena NTD anime podcast. It's on Spotify. We'll be talking about that. And, of course, we'll be talking about Maki and Toji and our feelings about them and what we feel is the future of the series through their eyes. But let's get to it. The first half of this episode is dedicated to Toji. The second half will be dedicated to Maki. And then we'll get to our interview. And then stick around afterwards because I have some uh, housekeeping notes and a surprise for you guys, essentially. But... Let's get to it. This first half is called Toji Fushigoro, Dead Man Walking. What is there to say about Toji Fushigoro, a man whose introduction left an incredible impression on the series, leaving much of the fan base in awe? The mysterious and elusive father of Megumi Fushigoro, Toji's power was on full display during the Star Plasma arc, or Gojo's past arc if you prefer. I know for me, Toji's presence was an interesting inverse to a young Gojo, and his eventual growth to the strongest. Gojo being the bastion of power, 
blessed with the sixth size and the infinite technique of the Gojo clan, was pushed to his limit by essentially what I see as the embodiment of humanity through Toji. A man born with zero curse energy, but in exchange was given a body and senses that nearly surpassed Gojo's, even going so far as to use his own battle acumen and combination with his senses to keep Gojo on his toes and burning himself out by making him sleep deprived. I've always said in my own version of what if Toji was just a little bit more ambitious, what would have happened if he had beheaded young Gojo after getting that first initial killing blow? What would shift in what shift in power would that bring for the series? Nevertheless, unfortunately, Toji lacks self worth and a general lack of ambition. A general lack of ambition would weigh him down. These two characteristic scars on his psyche, left to the left to him by the legendary family he was thrown away by, the Zenin clan. I will always find it ironic, all things considered, that someone like Toji was looked down upon in the Zenin clan. Their arrogance, ignorance, and general belief in toxic traditions blinding them to the potential and that of the potential of the heavenly restriction as a whole, given what we see when someone like him is born with it. Particularly what the heavenly restriction is capable of later on in the series, regardless the path that Toji, that Toji took once he separated from his family is one of self-destruction, and even when he did manage to find a slice of paradise, finding love, becoming a father, his self-loathing pushed him to abandon his son that he had with the woman he loved once she was lost. Toji, for all of his trauma, was a man who, consi who constantly and consistently chose to be the worst he could be. Gambling, missionary work, womanizing, if it suited his needs, he indulged in it. This is what makes his death at the hand of Gojo so fitting. Learning of his deal with Gojo and the Zenning, selling Megumi to Gojo, for me at least, played a little as Toji's final act as a father. A flawed and wrong as it as flawed and wrong as it was, he still managed to secure a future for Megumi. This made me this leads me towards the Shibuya arc and his temporary reviving, Toji's soul going berserk as he is brought back to life in the world of the living through a curse technique, one that would mix with Toji's heavenly restriction, allowed his soul to full reign, to have full reign, and also send him into a frenzy. We get to again see what happens when Toji is let loose, full tilt into battle as he uses Megumi, who at this point knows no clue that this is his dad, using the hole that he had created in a domain expansion created by D Dagon. His utter defeat of the cursed spirit Dagon, one of the disastrous curses who at this point is fighting two grade one sorcerers, and I think if I remember correctly, Nabito's actually a semi-special grade, and Maki Zenning, who is left in awe of this mysterious man, a man who clearly fights like her, but on a level she had never thought was possible. Once he makes quick work of Dagon, his sights return towards Megumi rushing at him as he sensed the power dwelling in Megumi, making him the most dangerous target. As Megumi and Toji clash, we see Toji's memory slowly coming back to the surface, remembering a child. And these are excerpts from chapter 113 of Jujutsu Kaisen. Take care of, take care of Megumi, okay? That place is useless for someone like me, but for him, for someone with potential, it'll be a little better. I don't care. I don't care. Hey, what's your name? Fushigoro. 
not zenning, huh? Good for you. And just like that, Toji's final moments are of him snapping back to consciousness with a face that would take would with a face that one would think is relief or maybe even a little bit of pride knowing that his son kept his last name the one he took from his wife you know and jettisoning his zenin legacy proud to see that he probably did not he <laughs> he is probably proud to see that he did right by his son when he abandoned him and giving him over to Gojo, seeing that his life is flourishing, essentially. I find it bittersweet, though. Even though knowing that Megumi never had a desire to learn about his dad, there's something I don't know sweet about this moment for me, personally. Especially knowing that Toji never thought of his legacy on Earth as was much of anything. Little did he know, and little does as the readers know, that even though Megumi and Toji's meeting didn't much mean much to Megumi, Toji's legacy would still live on. Only this time, the ascension, only this time through the ascension of another young sorcerer. And that's the one and only Maki Zenin. So the postscript on this part of the story is basically that Toji was probably the first moment in the series. I felt like I wouldn't know where anything was going because I really didn't expect to meet a character like Toji. You know, we had met Maki at this point. We knew what a character with no cursed energy looked like. But to meet a character who, at this point, even though he's fighting a younger, less experienced Gojo, he's still fighting Gojo. And the fact that he almost kills Gojo. I make mention of him, like, possibly beheading him. I'm like, by head, I can't help but think, I'm like, what if Toji was just a bit more, like, stoked about his victory and was like, man, I got to keep a treasure about this. You know what? I'm going to take this kid's dome piece. And just behead him. Could you imagine the shift in power? Do you think that the Zenning would come running back to him? Do you think he'd pull a Maki? Which is what I'm going to get into in a little bit. I don't want to get too deep into that. But I definitely think that Toji, in the grand scheme of it all, was a great way to introduce this concept of the perfect anti-sorcerer. You know what I mean? Like when we see what Maki ends up becoming, especially since Maki has a bit more confidence and sees herself as a bit more worthwhile in the grand scheme of things, we see a young lady who is then able to just go whole horse. And where she ends up in the series, especially with at this time of recording with what's currently going on, I can't ho help but hope that her future is, is at the very least a, a bright one. But speaking of Maki... Let's get into the second half of this episode where we talk about our girl, Maki Zenin. This part of this episode is Maki Zenin, I am free, I am power. Maki Zenin, from the moment we met her, exuded one thing and one thing only, strength. Sometimes it's coming off as projecting a wall to protect herself, as we see in JJK Zero and her early interactions with Yuta, but at the end of the day, always keeping her head up and walking towards her goal. It is a strength that she always carried. Like I told you before, she was looked down upon for her heavenly restriction, but not only that, she was born with misfortunate not only to be a twin, but also a woman. 
these three things cementing her place in her clan. Mocking along with her twin sister May, as we are shown lived under a hateful and disappointed eyes of their father, seeing their mother living as a shadow in his presence. This being too much for Maki, pushed her to eventually leave the clan to join Jujutsu Tokyo High and work under Gojo's watch. Gojo already seeing the potential in her, which I imagine being spurred on from his interaction with Toji earlier in life. As we watch Maki through the early parts of the series, we see her fighting an uphill battle, but it is a battle she fights at full force, showing her impressive physical feats from her mastery of any cursed tool that she can get her hands on to catching a bullet fired at her by her sister May, whose cursed ability is creating physical matter out of cursed energy. So yeah, she's fast enough to straight up catch a bullet. She is consistently looked down upon at this point in the series, but continues to show why she deserves to be at the top and be seen as a semi-grade one sorcerer. Unfortunately, again, her clan does everything they can to make sure that that advancement never comes as they use their influence to keep her down. It is only after display during the Tokyo and Kyoto battle being recommended by her superiors. Time after time, Maki stands shoulder to shoulder with her classmates, being a pillar to support them. When we jump to the Shibuya arc, Maki makes her way through the underground. To be honest, going through this arc, I wasn't sure where Maki's plot was going. As much as I had grown to love her character at this point, I still was waiting to see what Gege had in store. When she was pulled into the conflict with Dagon, confirmed to be a powerful special grade curse, the embodiment of the ocean's future, or fury, I was afraid that Maki would be used as another motivator for Yuji or Megumi, a la her getting injured in JJK Zero in her fight against Ghetto, seeing her consistently put in that situation that she'd fall that she'd for all intents and purposes are way out of her league. Despite this, she observed the power on display by Toji, the feeling that this man was something like her, but more powerful. However, once Dagon is defeated, they the crew of sorcerers are freed from his domain. The shock and awe of Toji's dispatch is broken by the ambush by Jogo, unleashing the ruthless fire attack that leaves Maki out of the fight. From here on, we see a much different Maki. As we catch up post Shibuya, we see a wounded and scarred Maki. Given the task to gather up the cursed tools of the Zenin clan by the newly dubbed head of the clan Megumi, the following events would bring about the ultimate change to Maki as not just a character, but as a force of nature. Only one, one only seen in one other person. We see as Maki makes her way through the Zenin complex. We see examples of a foolhardy and backwards, and backwards world that, Maki, that pushed Maki and Toji to leaving their clan. We meet the likes of the Heiai, the semi-special raid heads of the Kukuru, the special fighting force of the Zenin, where those who have the family's heavenly restriction are used as grunts. And of course, the infamous fuckboy of the clan, Naoya Zenin, someone we learn had a personal connection to both Toji and Maki. With Toji being a pillar of power, even though he was seen as a lacking, and to Maki, well, a constant source of misery and bullying from her youth. We meet a mother who has forsaken her children, viewing them as worthless mistakes. And of course, we meet her father, Ogi, a man whose disdain for his own children 
made my skin itch. His complete disregard for his daughter's maze imparting final words and resolve uses her creation technique to recreate a blade we've seen in the past. And with this action, may I ask Maki one last thing. To destroy everything. And just like that, Ogi, feeling a chill run up his spine as the spirits in the cursed energy vanishes from the room that he left his two daughters in. He is met with the familiar feeling. The visage of a man he would die before admitting he feared stands before him. Focus bringing the realization that this is in fact Maki standing before him. And with all of his arrogance, he unleashes the fiery brilliance of his cursed technique. But with a flash, she murders her father. What we see next is the complete destruction of the Zenin clan. Maki reaching a new level of power, one gained as Mei took the last of her cursed energy that was tied to her with her as she passed away. Maki brings down every pillar in her clan. We even see the confirmation of what we were always known to be true from the words of Heiei, that the Heiei member Renta Zenin. And this is uh, from chapter, I want to say 149 or 150, chapter 150. And I quote, don't falter, Jinichi-san. The Zenin clan exists because of Toji-san's whim. You must have realized it too. Right now, Maki has become exactly the same as him. Right here, right now. We must kill her. With this statement, the true fears and ultimate failure in foresight of the Zenin clan is shown. Maki fulfills the path that Toji could have taken, a path to rewrite the world of jujitsu. Maki, however, takes the torch and with nothing to hold her back, keeps her promise to May and destroys everything, defeating Naoya and even striking down her own mother. We see a shift in Maki as a whole too her broken heart fueling her pursuit of power. Maki, as it stands, represents a shift in the future as she continues to grow in power, as of recently reaching a new height of power and skill while finding a new, renewed sense of self and peace. Toji might have been a force of nature, but Maki is a real god of war now. What her role in the Culling Games being is still up in the air as of right now. But I know for sure, whatever it is, I'll be there front row to watch as she turns the world of JJK on its head. Yeah, Maki, man, Maki. I feel like when I started reading this series, I had a very unsure way things were going. And I remember when we got to meeting Maki, I was very cool. I was like, oh, cool. You're going to give us that character who has to, you know, work around. And she's kind of the Asta of her series while being the main character, you know? And everything she does in the early part of the series, even the Kyoto art just shows that she's this crazy powerful individual, like very, very little fucks given about, you know, her opponent's ability to use cursed energy. But you do feel a sense that she is unfortunately still handicapped by her own limitations. And so it makes the events of Shibuya and her, you know, early taking out of it. She's taken out very early on, in my opinion. And when that happens, you know, when she gets blasted in the face by Jogo, you know, along with Nanami and, and uh, Naobito, when we see Nanami again, I immediately thought, oh, shit, yeah, Maki's probably dead. 
Maki's probably dead. You know, and then we hear Naobita died, and we're like, oh shit, he died. But we see Maki again. Not only did she survive, but she got like a weird reverse glow up. Like she's still like this beautiful, powerful young lady, but she's covered in these burn marks and she's missing. You know, she's got an eye bandage off, still wearing her glasses, but she's got this like, you know, cool like midriff shirt that's connected with a belt with like black pants and that cool cape she had for like a chapter. I wish you'd get that cape back. But when I saw her again post Shibuya, I was like, whoa, Maki really seems to have changed. Something has changed about her. And I think it's just, you know, the fact that everything's so bad. And when she meets up with her family and she meets up with Ogi and her interactions with May happen, this, especially, you know, when we get to the part of May explaining how twins work. Because I think in the real world we hear about, you know, various cultures and how they see twins as a omen or as a sign of something wicked which is you know pretty backwards theory thinking so when the zenny clan had that thinking it's like oh yeah of course that makes sense it's just stupid but to have it turn out that no literally they're two halves of a whole like the curse energy that may has isn't very much and she doesn't have very good control of it but it's an incredibly powerful move and very powerful ability where maki has zero near zero curse energy and is incredibly powerful but is not as powerful as she can be to have may be like i'm literally taking the rest of the curse energy with me that part of it really blew my mind in terms of like how weirdly alive the concept of curse energy seems to be in that kind of vision of power where it constantly treats a person or treats twins as a singular person and to have one of the twins possibly gain something from the death of another one from their sibling i guess i could say and so to get that that death which i didn't see my, my dying very or may dying very early on so her death really hit hard so i felt for maki in that moment but to go straight into her murdering her dad and just going off kill bill style eight crazy 88s homage throughout that entire fight watching her destroy the cuckoo watching her destroy destroy the hiei watching her destroy naoya was such a treat i'm like you should give itachi from naruto some some lessons on how to murder an entire family <laughs> way more justified with maki of course and then we get to where we catch up with her in the Cullen Games, which I didn't go into great detail. And it's been enough time since I originally wrote the script for this episode that I can talk about uh, her interactions with. And I'm blanking on their names. Uh, I'll probably, I'm not going to add them in the notes. You'll know who I'm talking about. But Sumo Man and Katana Man during her fight with the reborn Naoya, having him come back as her final big fight and having that final conflict between the two cousins you know, Naoya coming back as a curse because he was not killed by a cursed weapon and having that immediately be her first conflict. I thought it was weird pacing at first when Sumo Man and Katana Man show up out of nowhere, but I give the Cullen game a break because it is, in fact, a battle royale of all things. And so to have random people pop up in the middle of a fight, I love how immediately Maki's like, hold on. I got to take a second. These two weirdos got something going on. That guy took my sword, which that's right. Katana Man, you know, has tossed Maki's sword during her fight with Naoya, which, again, at this point, she has been defined as a monster, but she's still having problems. She can't catch up with Naoya's new streamlined curse form. And to have her have this moment where she gets to play around and she gets to meet the, the sumo gentleman. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. that's the water bottle and the water going down my throat but having her go through this like 
extended uh, training arc, real or this hyper fast training arc with Su- the sumo dude. And again, bringing up the idea of domain expansions with very specific functions. I loved his being able to fight a hundred matches in a day. And finally seeing a fully realized Maki, I'm genuinely excited to see what she is going to do. I hope she isn't just treated like a gnat by Sukuna with things currently as they are. Now I'm not going to go into spoilers currently. I have an announcement about that at the end of what I'm going to talk about with more JJK stuff, but I, I digress. All I can say is Maki has become one of my favorite characters, not only in Jujutsu Kaisen, but in all of anime and manga. I love the concept of her character. I love the concept of her abilities, and... I love that Toji got to play this really cool bit of foreshadowing to her ascension in power. And, man, if this series doesn't end with some kind of cool tournament arc, I'll be bummed because I really just kind of want to see the characters we have currently going toe-to-toe, and I want to see people's impressions of her once they actually see her as a cursed sorcerer amongst these, you know, ancient sorcerers who have been resurrected in the coming games. But, yeah. That was the Maki part of the episode. What's coming up next for the rest of this episode is a fun interview with, again, my guest, Serena NTD. She's a very wonderful young lady. Oh, I say young lady. (laughs) She's going to kill me for that. She's not a young lady. She's my age in her 30s. She's an OG, triple OG of of, uh, anime and manga. And, again, she runs her own anime podcast and, again, is on TikTok. She'll be plugging her socials on there. But yeah, let's get to the interview. Here's my interview with Serena NTD and our discussion over Toji Maki. Hey guys. It's me, Old Head Otaku, and I'm joined with a very exciting special guest. Uh, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my my name is Serena. I have the various channels, Serena in 2D. I have a podcast and a YouTube, and you know, I love doing anime analysis. And of course, I love Jujutsu Kaisen, and we're going to talk about that today. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I I am so stoked to have you on here. This is actually a attempt number two because we did a really cool <laughs> interview like last weekend, and uh, I goofed and didn't record the audio. And you know, yeah, this will be better. This time I'm recording the audio, and hopefully everything is cool. If not, I'm just gonna give up on this podcasting forever. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, no, technology hates me. Uh, yeah, but yes, we are talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. This is my Maki and Toji episode. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the two ciphers, the most illogical broken people in a series that is about, you know, energy and cursed energy. But these people have zero and they have somehow become two of the most synonymous and infamous slash famous individuals in the series. Like they really broke the mold with these two. Oh, yeah. I love it. And how they affect fate is really interesting and how they disrupt the jujitsu world. Yes. Something. <laughs> that's I think the biggest thing I liked so far about the series has been just like the where we are currently in the calling games and everything. That's the complete uh, deconstruction of the Jujutsu world, and by extension, I think the pre- con- uh, deconstruction of the uh, Shonen uh, action series. Like 
I think early on, I think one of my favorite like twists, it's a very subtle one is when like they do the Kyoto arc and after they have their match, they, you know, they're like, okay, we got interrupted by all that curse and curse spirit stuff. Let's draw hard. Let's draw out of a hat and do our, you know, one-on-one battles and you're, you're expecting a tournament arc and they'll go just like, nah, we're just going to play baseball. Yep. Just going to play uh, baseball. I don't want to do. He, does. he disrupts. Yeah. We're not going to tournament arc here. Hell, even this Battle Royale arc has not really been a Battle Royale arc. It's been just chaos. It's been a wild thing. And yes, let's talk about uh, the, a prelude to the insanity that came in the calling game, which is Toji Fushigoro and how his introduction is probably one of my favorite bits of foreshadowing in terms of like what it's going to take to actually shake up the Jujutsu world when we see, you know, kind of... Uh, not necessarily his rebirth, but a rebirth of like his concept through someone who's more confident and more competent. Yeah, and how he's he's a product of that jujitsu society that that hates him so much and that he disrupts so much. And I think that's such an interesting uh, point about his character. And then we see how Maki kind of finishes the job, you know, that he wasn't able to do in destroying the Zanin clan. And 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 we know that that's like a continued theme throughout the series is the younger generation making up for some of the mistakes of the older generation. And I think that's really hopeful and and really beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, I think when, you know, Gojo shows up in the star plasma arc and when Gojo shows up in the series in general, I think when, if you, especially if you're only an anime watcher, you think about, man, who can touch this guy? Who's going to defeat this guy. And when you're reading the manga, you finally catch up and you find out that the person to beat him is, quite literally just like the other here you know we, we meet maki he's like oh she has no curse energy she has to work a bit harder but then we meet toji and he's just like this this is uh what this is actually supposed to look like this is what the power of no curse energy in terms of a uh, heavily restriction that makes you something else in the world of uh, jujitsu kaisen can really be and how it shakes up gojo's world and by extension gives him insight to what he needs to do in the future yes yeah. he inspires him <laughs> inadvertently which it, it's funny too how toji has this disdain for gojo because of what he rep- represents like the epitome of the jujutsu world and gojo even as a teenager wasn't super fond of the jujutsu world but then after meeting toji i think that really made him especially not like them because he knew what what it produced and how it treats people and so it's funny because it's like yeah no toji gojo doesn't like the jujutsu world either <laughs> but who yeah, knows? Like, Maybe in another world they could have been friends. Right. They could have honestly, like, I, yeah, you think about like if Toji was a bit more wild card or was like more of like, if I feel like if Toji was a bit more like one of those characters who's like, I want to be the strongest in the world. And he tried to challenge Gojo to just a fight. And Gojo would have been like, wait, 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 wait. Why are you doing this? You're literally the most interesting thing I've ever met in my life. You <laughs> have no curse energy. You snuck up on me. You punched me. You you've managed to get past my guard in every aspect, especially since you know Gojo doesn't have his perfect defense yet. He still has oh, to yeah. actively control the infinite at this point in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and to see Toji shock him. I think it's like like I think right now a lot of people who again re- strictly anime watchers think Gojo is this really cocky individual. I'm like, nah, cocky, yeah. nah, he he's already been humbled. He got mm. humbled in the hardest way, and Oof. it the star plasma arc as a whole and how toji you know really affects you know gojo and 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 uh get a ghetto and how he inadvertently jump starts this like 
event for both of them where you know slowly mm-hmm. ghetto after you know losing uh what's her name oh my god star oh, well, rico rico, rico after, 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 yeah. after after using rico and having his like existential crisis begin mm-hmm. like toji's the reason for that gojo being like i gotta figure out how i can use my powers while i sleep i need to be mm-hmm. the strongest when you know toji to- when go ghetto asks are you the strongest because you're Setoro Gojo or are you Setoro Gojo because you are the strongest? Mm-hmm. Like So much. Whole... And then splitting up too. Splitting like up. Everything around the the death of Rico Aminai and, and Toji being able to harm Gojo and Ghetto so much just shook them up. And yeah. uh, it's it's really interesting, and I I, I love I oh, I can't wait for it to be animated. I can't wait for this this arc to be animated. I, I, I really I really it's yeah, gonna I'm be ready. crazy. Like it's gonna be the same energy as when Gojo used like his domain expansion for the first time. I feel oh, like yeah. like I feel like one of these episodes is gonna end with Gojo getting stabbed. You know how everyone's kind of freaking oh, yeah. out because Makima got shot on Chainsaw Man. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, she's already dead. And, like next episode, you're like, nope, she's fine. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be that moment. I'm ready for that Gojo floating in the air with that deranged look in his eyes. Like, yeah, I died and I saw some crazy shit in the afterlife, <laughs> and now I can do anything. I'm the blessed one, motherfucker. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, Gojo is so wild. This is my favorite Gojo moment. That line where he's like, he quotes oh, yeah. the Buddhist saying, and he's like, mm-hmm. above all things, I'm the blessed, I am the like blessed one or the enlightened one or whatever. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it was really cool. I-, I hope they handle it really well. I hope it looks stunning. Yeah, I that- think- that's such a moment in the manga. Uh, Mappa's got it. Poor Mappa. I- I- yeah, I- <laughs> they need a break. Yeah, they're fine. We'll see their family eventually. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you have that other element of Toji, which is just him as a person. You know, we talk about him as if he's he's this like terrifying force of nature, but this guy is literally a garbage human being. You know, <laughs> he's a, he's a trash. Don't let the Toji fans hear you. <laughs> he just he just he just he goes from place to place, spending all the money he gets from, his, and he gets sure he gets paid a lot, just spending he does. money and women, money getting money on 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 alcohol and partying, mm-hmm. women and gambling. Gambling, yes. oh my, and not Just, being not being very good at it either. Not basically. being very good at it, you know, and obviously <laughs> abandoning, you know, his son and, you know, the woman he married's daughter and mm-hmm. leaving them to just. Toji's a fundamentally broken person, and like I said, mm-hmm. I. If Toji was just a little bit more confident, I think like last time I said, if he was a little more confident, he would have beheaded Gojo, and he would have <laughs> taken his place as the top of the jujitsu world. But because yeah. he's surrounded by this pompous. You know, traditional family, the Zenin, he, he somehow didn't gain that confidence, which is uh, that parallel with Maki, which is mm-hmm. he's a man in the family. And even he couldn't handle like the, the the pressure or like the lack of desire for his existence amongst his own family, where, you know, Maki, Maki turns around and is like, nah, I'm just going to prove y'all wrong. And really, is- too, I, I it's one thing that I think that we don't talk about enough is how I think that the death of his wife, his first wife, screwed him up. Like uh-huh. I think that was maybe his his first time feeling like maybe I I deserve a good life maybe I can maybe I deserve love and then maybe he curses the gods or whatever for like taking her out of his life right and we don't know if she's we don't exactly know if she's dead even like she's out of the picture she's, yeah she's gone okay I thought that, I thought they may mention she had like a disease or something I, maybe I'm tripping I thought maybe I, I think I, so maybe I just interjected that because I assumed that but yeah she's well the point is that they're not together. Yeah, they're and, not together, and and he's so, a he's a wreck. <laughs> he's not good at. He's like I've never had anyone like me in my life before, and the only person who has is no longer here. Mm-hmm. I can't and she, do. And he took her last name. 
I can't. Yeah, he took a last name. He's like, I can't do this daddy shit. I can't do any of this, you know. And when he dies and he has that moment with Gojo, you know, we find out he sold Ghetto to, or not Ghetto, uh, sold Megumi to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, just do what you're going to do with him. Keep him yeah. away from the Zenin in that whatever way. Or And, you know, I guess Gojo's decision to keep him away from the Zenin and, you know, my, Megumi's own personal, I don't really give a fuck about the Zenin. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, and just like, just like, I don't know, like, kind of like Gojo too. Megami, even as like an eight year old or however old he was, little guy, he was like, Are they going to be good to my sister? Is the Zayden clan going to be good to my sister? And Gojo's like, Oh, heck no, they're not going to treat her with respect. And he was like, Well, then screw him. Like, I'm not going to go to that family then. And yeah. I love that. He wasn't like, Oh, well, are they rich? Or uh, will I have lots of toys? But he's like, Are they going to treat my sister well? Yeah. And that like, lets us know definitely... ooh, how much he loves his sister. A deathly serious kid like mm-hmm. yeah i think megumi is for sure like my favorite like rive dark-haired rival character to come out <laughs> he's really a well-written character but yeah you know we jump to the shibuya arc and again we get we get zenin you know toji brought back to life mm-hmm. uh and you know his, such a surprise way for him to be brought back to life oh snap he's gonna be a zombie to be using it nope he's like i have no curse energy this doesn't work on me i'm just gonna go hog wild i'm just gonna go <laughs> balls to the wall and we get to see him just tear through Dagon, you know, one of the disaster curses, see him tear through everything and him, his, his little combat moment with Megumi. And I also like it, you know, the, the manga is like, Oh, he zeroed in on the strongest person there. And he zeroed in on Megumi, which is like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And having that, that little flashback where he's like, are you going to take you? Like you, you take him, you know, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about any of this shit. You know, he's going to be fine. And having that moment where he's like, Hey, what's your last name? What's your yeah. name? He's like Fushigoro. Yes. Like that when he stabbed himself in the head, he's like, nice. I was like, oh. Yeah, he was like, good for you. And I'm like, oh. Like, wow. You, and I, it's one of those things that doesn't make up for like his horrifying life choices. Mm. But it's just like, still, this is a dude who's like, I just want my, my children to still have a better life than I did. Like, I'm mm. not, I'm not, I'm never going to be the guy to make them happy. And I think there's a certain strength as a father. Cause I've seen that in real life where like, you know, they're like, I'm not a good person. I don't need to be in your life. I don't need to be in your mom's life. And it's not because I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I'm worthy of it. It's just that I don't want to fuck you up. And that's sad on their end, but it, it, it sometimes it's true where they're like, I don't want to, I really don't want to mess this up. And I think mm-hmm. you'll be fine with your mom and a stepdad. If your step, if I met the stepdad, he's like, Oh, this is a cool guy. You got it. You know, you see it, you've seen that happen. And oh yeah. When you have Toji finally out of the series proper, you forget that, in this really bombastic moment, his return, you see Maki, right? Yeah. Maki's mm-hmm. reaction to him Oof, is yeah. so, it's not a very long reaction, but just her like, who is that? What is he? Is he, he's like, is he like me? Like, yeah. he's, he broke the playful cloud. He's moving fast. He's running on water, but there's no Chris energy coming off this guy. And... Yeah, she was so impressed. And I love that, that that connects back to everything in the future too, because like there's so much going in Shib- it, during on during Shibuya that like most of us are not did not latch on to that moment as being right, right. important but it's like well it is because she was and then when, when she's training oh gosh with um the the kappa dude the sumo wrestler guy, yeah um she was like think or right before it she was thinking like how am I going to how can I be like that guy like you know she didn't know Toji's name but we see like Toji and it's like oh this whole time she's been thinking like man how do I get on his level and it's like, girl, you're you're almost there. 
You're almost there. You got the power. You just got to forget that technique. You got to get the technique. And I guess this is the perfect time to segue into Maki because, you know, obviously Toji is was that beginning stage, that little, you know, the song by Andre 3000. He was the prototype. She's the one, you know, and yeah. I will. That's that revelation, that twist, her going to the Zenning compound. I, I remember I had no expectations for the arc, so I didn't know. Uh-huh. I had no idea what was going to happen. I'm like, OK, she's just going to show up and get some weapons. And her dad's there like, nah. Mm-mm. And then we see, and then we see Mai on the ground. Oh. And you're like, oh shit, this is it. First and foremost, let's talk about her design when she we first meet her again. Cause oh. I love the switch up in her design. I was like, oh, Queen. The she little so cape. Cool. The little cape. I wish yep. she still had that little cape. And she's rocking the short hair. The short hair. And, and listen, it, you know you're pretty when you can pull off burn scars. Right. <laughs> you know, she got half exploded. She's okay. Half exploded. <laughs> Oh, right. And I forgot to brought up. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy because at this point, she's not the most powerful yet. She's not, mm-hmm. you know, she's not ascended. But the fact of the matter is she survived a blow to the face from Jogo that killed Nalbito, mm-hmm. her, her grandfather, and damn near killed Nanami. But she yeah. shrugged it off. And she's yeah. not even close to like what we see later on in no. this arc. She's just like, yeah, I got shot in the face with fire. I'm fine. <laughs> it's fine. And it's like we know that Shoko got to her eventually, but it wasn't like Shoko was right there. Nah. So she was she was burned up for a bit. <laughs> nah. She was going through it. <laughs> and the you know, the conflict with Ogi it was was just a reaffirmation of like, oh yep, you you there's any other worse to mm-hmm. look at your children and be like, you know, as a dad too, you know, just see someone be like, Oh, you're a disappointment in me. You're uh-huh. disappointed, you you disappoint me in every way, shape, and form. Like, oh, you're a bastard. You're a monster. And oh, he's awful. And he was like, uh, a child's uh, duty is not to bring shame to their parents or something like that. Yeah, it's like to like, hold up their parents and hold up their like ideals and their hopes mm-hmm. and dreams. Like, oh, wow. And like, you, you don't see yourself being shameful in like setting up for your kids to die, like killing them and throwing yeah, and them then, some monsters. Like, you don't think that's shameful? Ma- Maki's mom being like, I, you know, I regret having you or whatever she says to her as she's walking past her. Like, and she was like, let me be proud of you. Le- least just like for once for once like, right for once. it's like damn it's like maki and again this goes back to toji like toji was a man and they berated him i it's amazing how you know uh, how uh maki can walk in with her head held high continuously mm-hmm. without fail you know i love maki and i even like because we have to go back to volume zero too when we talk about maki how um she already had like her sights on what she was going to do like she you know of course she was like oh i'm gonna beat up my family where it's like well you sure did um but she wanted to reach a certain level of um of status within her family even though it it was ridiculous right like she's the the um castaway like no one wants her but when she tells what she wants to um uh what's her boy's name you <laughs> Yuta, yeah he was so supportive and that really just helped her feel more reassured and and it was so nice because we get a flashback during volume zero about how her mom was like talking about her when she was a little girl and, and telling people like, oh, don't don't be like, don't be like Maki. And it's like, oh, that's so horrible to hear. Like, oh, that is a child. Kids, right. don't be like her. Don't be like Maki. Be a good girl. Don't be like Maki. It's like, ooh. And, and Maki was so confused. I was she, like, oh, this is horrible. She, she grows up to such a powerful young lady. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't sure where her direction was going to be when the series started. But when we get to this moment and she gets she's defeated by her father and she's thrown into that room with Mai. And I you know let's honorable mentions to Mai, who again was a character yeah. I wasn't sure what to go through, but her story is 
really tragic in the grand screen. Like she's like, I didn't want any of this shit. I didn't want to be a sorcerer. I didn't want to be any of this. And for her to be like, yeah, yeah, this is how it's gonna be. I knew it. Yeah, being aware that, of the fact that she was holding her sister back this whole time. Yeah, being aware she's oh. holding her sister back, holding knowing the fact that if she kept doing this, at some point in time she was gonna die. You know, mm. she's not built for this. Her sister is. She's like, I'll take the curse energy. You know, that, that moment when they, mm-hmm. in that spiritual world, their, their little beach, and she's like, I'll take the curse energy. I'll take everything with me. You just destroy everything. Yes. Destroy everything. What, what a way to phrase it. Destroy everything. Listen, I I love how, like we talked about, like how Jujutsu Kaisen really shakes up the the typical shonen formula. Like that that's not something that your heroes you know, are supposed to say like, oh, let, let's just kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, nope, tear it all down. All. <laughs> tear it all down. Let's destroy it all. Like, she... And it's she, like, hey. Like, Itachi, if, if, if Itachi was like, hey, look what I can do. She was like, here, hold my beer. And, yeah, you know, she... And the thing is, Itachi, it, just a little Naruto diatribe, like, it, Itachi needed, like, the help of another, like, hidden... Like, Toby is in the background of that story, you know, he needed help. Maki does this by herself. When she comes out that... When she comes up and... Ogi's like, what's that? What happened to all the cursed spirits? And he turns around, he gets that wide-eyed look. We see that silhouette of Zenin, of, of, of Toji and Maki. I'm like, oh, Gege, this is what you were setting up for our girl. Mm-hmm. She's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah. She's 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 Toji 2.0, eventually becoming the new, the new stronger model. The way she cut through her father, the way she cuts through the Kukuri the crew, the oh, way she God. cuts through all the semi-special grades in her family. And only to finally meet up Naoya, who we met earlier as the biggest bitch boy, my mm-hmm. favorite bitch boy, <laughs> top tier, top tier bitch, um, <laughs> has the capability, has none of the follow through. Watching him lose over and over was great. Watching him be like, I'm the best. Nope. Nope. Not even a little bit. Watching <laughs> Maki smee smash him, count out the frames of his attack. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, figured it out. I figured out how. This is what you wanted me to do is to count out the frames and then move, right? Oh, that was Whack. so ooh. Just smashed into the ground right as he's saying, like, you're nothing like him. Boom. And I, I love the irony of him telling her, like, oh, you're, there's no way you're like him. And how she, how he was doing the same thing that Zane and family did to Toji, like underestimating him based off of bullshit. And and with Naoya, it's that extra layer of misogyny. And I think that's what really keeps him from acknowledging the greatness that Maki is and that yes she is the true successor of Toji and he wanted I, to be that but it's like no no son it's the girl the girl you've been beating up since you guys were kids is now gonna beat you up mm-hmm. and then you know even and it's crazy because we get that last moment I, there was a there was a little moment in me where I was afraid she was gonna go after Megumi for some reason or like just like <laughs> be or just be like a rogue piece on the board yeah, because she was in. so because <laughs> afterwards she leaves and like the even the manga is like after she left the rest of the Zenin out in the world were just killed. She didn't just destroy the people who were there. She went out of her way to find the rest of her family, her clan, and kill them. Oh, girl so got I was on like, a plane. She got tickets. She's like, where, where the rest of them at? Like, there's, a turn- there's, there's a tournament. I'm going to go across. And she kills the rest of them. Right? And at I this point, it. we she's not. And at this point, we don't know. She's still not at her pinnacle. Because even nope. when we see her again and Miwa, not Miwa, um, Momo? Oh, uh, yeah. The witch? Yeah. When Momo's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Which, everyone's like, what's, Toji, what's, what's Maki doing? She's like, oh, Maki, she's doing her thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, she's she's like, is she okay? Monster. She's a monster. 
And we got that awesome image of her with the sword coming through that tunnel, an explosion, and like she's just been of, like, uh, curse uh, energy curse. flying everywhere. And she's just like, yeah, she's just been running smoke, and she still wasn't strong enough. She still wasn't no. when when now well now now it came back as a curse, which a worm. Fanta- fantastic plot twist that giant worm being now i was like yo this is wild for her to get that re i'm glad they brought him back i'm glad they got him back and that we got that really great rematch mm-hmm. and we meet sumo man and katana man because mm-hmm. i can't remember their names off top i do really like their character i hope i hope they yeah. stick around so i can memorize their names because they were a blast and and you know i think for some people some of the criticism was like oh they came out of nowhere i'm like guys it's a battle royale Everyone's yeah, doing their own thing at this point. Anybody can walk in. Like to, when Tokaba shows up, that Mr. Comedian Man, I'm like, we got a little foreshadowing to him. But I like these two dudes. Yeah. And for her to be like, oh, hey, in the middle of a fight, be like, listen, I'm tired. I'm gonna go swim and wrestle with this guy for a second. That was hilarious. When Aoi is like, like yeah, you know what? I'll do this. Noritoshi's like, hey, what? What are you doing? She's such a boss. I love She's it. Like, She's like, you know what? I'm off my game. Let me let me do what this guy's talking about. Let, let, you know what? Maybe I do need some sumo to blow up some steam. And now, 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 now Toshi are just like, is she serious? But luckily, yeah, you know, t- time display, it was like a five minute, five minute, 150, hundreds and hundreds, <laughs> thousands and thousands of matches within a five minute span. Yes. And that moment when she comes out, she's like, I feel great. And I it's like, it. imagine her stamina. She's been it's, fighting so much, like nonstop. And then, she gets into the little pseudo space and starts doing a million rounds of sumo wrestling, then hops out of that and then takes down Naoya. It's like, damn, She's girl. Like, like it's like it's like when I get out of my car after hotboxing it. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, world, come at me. That's how she looked. She looked stoned the entire fight. She's a high off battle prowess. And she's like, I can see it all. I can touch it all. I can, mm-hmm. I can. I can cut like now she can use her sword properly, you know. Yeah. So wa- watching Samurai, the, the katana man, be like, "Yeah, dude, this sword cuts through anything you want it to mm-hmm. cut through. You got to be able to cut and see around it. I don't need to use curse energy to cut now. Yeah, I see him just because he's there. The air is telling me where he is. And watching Maki, fully formed, a version of Toji who had confidence, a version of Toji who believes in himself. No, it's Maki. It's just Maki. Not even looking at this. I'm, I'm stop uh, comparing it to Ma- to Toji because she's Maki. Mm-hmm. This is the same character from the get go who has been like, nah, I don't care what you say to me. I don't care how you treat me. I don't care what you think I can or cannot do. I'm gonna do it. And now she can. Mm-hmm. What do you think her What do you think her future in the Culling Game looks like with her? You know, ability to basically say fuck your domain expansion. Yeah. So unfortunately, it won't work on Sakuna's domain because it was like made for people who who are like Maki and, and Toji. He must but, have had some kind of foresight. I don't know. Or, or just ran into other people like that. But she but, can't see she can't see everything. So maybe she could counter his his slash and dismantle. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Maybe she can get out of the way. You know? Yeah. God. <laughs> and just, um, but we we do know her awesome like demon blade or whatever it's called, um, that can cut through any object and get straight to the soul and damage the soul. And with her and Nobara having powers related to damaging the soul i think we are definitely setting up for attacking maybe just sakuna's soul and leaving itadori's alone or um maybe with kenjaku and ghetto maybe just killing kenjaku's soul and not the little teeny tiny bit of ghetto that's in there right. who knows but i think it has to do with maybe sakuna and and taking him out without killing itadori that that's my thought on it 
Oh, yo, that I haven't even thought about that. I just thought of, I definitely think of her as she because currently she is the wild card. Because I don't think Kenjaku mm-hmm. was even aware that she's moving in between. She's basically broken his rules. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's aware of her. He wouldn't care mm-hmm. to be aware of her either because he's like, he's like yeah, yeah, no fucking curse energy. Mm-hmm. I'm here. To, I'm here to bring about the the evolution of curse energy. You have zero, mm-hmm. but yeah, Maki has become this wild card that I can't wait to see get implemented in the grand scheme of this plot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Maki and Toji have definitely made their marks in my top ten list. Maki continuing the trend of Jujutsu Kaisen, just creating fantastic female character after fantastic female character, <laughs> like. Even the ones where you're like, mm, look at sideways, like Mei Mei. I, I love Mei Mei. She's so weird. <laughs> She's so fucking creepy. Uh, no, I want to so love her, but that uh, with the thing with the little brother, I, I'm like, I, no, no. I, I, it is, it is weird. I don't, I, I want to get more context to it because mm. I don't, and not like, not like, like, not like a, I need to hear more. For me, it's yeah. just like, what, what is happening here? What is? I think we know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't, it's, <laughs> maybe. Maybe they just really close. I want to believe better, but hey, that's also like one of those things that you don't see very often. Where like, hey, you know how like men are usually characterized as the gross, creepy ones. Women, y'all can do it too. Intersectionality, <laughs> equality, yeah. everyone's gross. Show, <laughs> yeah, women can be problematic, <laughs> but I still love Mei Mei because she shoots right. Like literally, she's like, I have no other technique except I can control crow. So what if I'm gonna do? I'm gonna shoot you with a crow. Yeah, <laughs> and then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you read today's chapter. Uh, detained oh December sixteenth. Okay, I'm not gonna say nothing. Okay, yeah, yeah I forgot. I forgot the early. Yeah, early I, I, it's the only, it's the only series that I, that and my hero academia are the only series that I will like break the law and not use my Shonen mm-hmm. Jump app and read it somewhere else beforehand. Ah, uh, like, yeah, I can't it's like, wait listen, till I'm paying for the vids yeah. still, but if yeah. I need to, you know, dip into some different translations, let's say, uh, then yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen is gonna be the one because yeah, because some and of like, the trans. Yeah, because the translations change up, and, and they get me better. Like, oh, it's not as faithful as like the actual Japanese. So I like to read both versions. So. Same. I usually end up reading it on Sunday anyway. But yeah, yeah. Toji and Maki, that's pretty much it. Thank you for coming and yeah, being a part of this conversation. Me. Uh, what do you, what, what you you read a Berserk right now? Any other like cool things you're into? Uh, oh. or anything else that you got into? Any recommendations you you would Ooh. like to toss your way before we we wrap this up? You know, I don't. I've I've been so deep into Berserk because there's so much to talk about with Berserk that I I haven't really been consuming anything else right now. Oh, that's. So. I mean, it's fair. When I first got into Berserk, after years of just seeing guts in stores on like in maquettes and on, I'm like, this angry dude, dude looks cool. <laughs> this angry dude looks cool. I should read this. But you know what? My problem was before I read Berserk what? is I, I I had an encounter with a series. It's on Netflix now. It's called Bastard. Which is basically oh, no, what yeah. what everyone thinks Berserk is. If you didn't know oh, what Berserk no. was, and to be honest, I like Bastard is so good old fashioned eighty schlock. I love it, but <laughs> it's definitely a lot like on t- on par with you know Berserk, and that's what I thought it was until probably you know a little bit older. Um, oh man, it's telling me I have ten minutes left. It's giving me a clock. We're oh good. gosh, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> anyway, uh, but. Yeah, once I actually read Berserk, you, you really do kind of fall into that hole. I think that the same thing I just like was reading it for a while until I caught up and I was like, oh, well, I don't know what to <laughs> do now. now. What do yeah. Now? But that's go, the Berserk. I'm supposed to read Naruto like a fucking spud. Like like... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, nothing's the same. Oh, but uh, yeah, the, that's about it. Well, then before you go, I, would, I need to recommend this. I, honestly, have you, have, you, have you fallen down the Dandadan hole yet? 
No, I know I need to. Okay, I've read some of the first chapter. I'll I need to pick it back up. Because I feel like that if you if you if you 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 do your chainsaw man you you berserk. I think <laughs> I think Dan Dan is gonna give you a lot to like munch on and analyze and think about. Because oh really? It is, it is really one of my favorite romance mangas. It the oh, relationship. Oh, I didn't know a strong romance element. Okay. The main so the main character uh Ken Takakura and the main female character Momo Ayase have a really cute dynamic. Um, one of my favorite bits of the of the of their uh, interactions, their first interactions is like, she's obsessed with this actor named Kan Takakura. He's a smooth talking, tough, stands up for what he believes in. These are all the qualities she looks for in a man. And then she meets this nerdy conspiracy theory nerd. <laughs> and after their first big conflict, they're like, she's like, I don't even know your name, kid. And she's like, oh, he's like, oh, it's Ken Takakura. And she's like, your name's what? He's like, yeah. He's like, and then like the day after they meet, like there's really sweet moments where like, I think it's like a day or two after they meet and she's there just walk, going through school like, Man, I just want to talk to him, and she's like, I, or he's like, I just want to talk to her again. She's like, I wonder if I run into him again. I just want to talk to him. And like Aww. their their relationship and dynamic is so wonderfully written, while being surrounded by some of the most ridiculous shit that I've ever seen. I think oh. that is my peak number one recommendation to you, Serena. Please pick up Dan and Dan. Okay, take a break thank from you. <laughs> Read your. But yes, uh, thank you again for being on my podcast. I was really excited to do this again. I hope we can do this again we find some time and link or do live i'm trying to get discord set up so i can like oh. do watch parties on there and and like watch old anime that i like and yeah uh you want to plug your stuff again before we <laughs> head out just let yeah, people sure. know who you are serena in the house yeah okay well you can check me out on tiktok serena in 2d like the letter in um, and then I'm also on YouTube. I'm going to be making some more Berserk content for YouTube because, you know, TikTok is a hard place to talk about Berserk sometimes because yeah. of the, the, the 18 plus aspect of it. Um, mm. And yeah, and of course, a podcast, Serena and 2D podcast as well. So um, I, I love if you like anime analysis, then please check me out. I talk about Chainsaw Man, JJK, Berserk, and eventually I'll get into a couple of other series, too, and talk some more about Hunter Hunter as well. Yes, yes. And that's that's a. I think I'm going to do a couple recordings of some hunter hunter stuff before Ooh, i nice. to release in between editing this episode uh, ah, because I, I i just got caught up on the chapters and man oh yeah it is it is really i wish more people read the manga i always get really annoyed when i'm on tiktok and people are like well people get suggest reading the, the hunter hunter manga and they always show like the one page and i'm not gonna act like hunter hunter isn't wordy but there's that oh, one page yeah. that's mostly just a book Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if you actually sat down and read it, it's really explaining like the interpersonal like politics of this fucking conflict. You should read this manga. Mm-hmm. It's especially if you want something a bit more mature because it isn't right at the moment. It isn't a, a venture of, with two teenage boys. It is now mm-hmm. a political war that involves the mob and Krepika and and the, the the danger of Nin leaking into the world. It's it's great. You Hunter, Hunter oh, is, I've got to read it. Oh yeah, this they we without spoiling too much, we did get a a uh, phantom these uh a phantom troop backstory i saw some images from that i was surprised i was like oh i didn't i didn't know we were still talking I, about phantom troop like that okay i didn't even think i've never even thought about getting a backstory i was like i i feel like it's oh, they're always going to be that group that we get like one flashback of them as mm-hmm. young people and then that's it but we actually get like a full-on explanation and origin and it is heart-wrenching it is oh. beautiful and the spiders have just continued to be submitted as over Akatsuki, over any group of like <laughs> supervillain groups, the Phantom Troop is the tippity top. Uh, okay. But yeah, 
thank you again for joining me on my show. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for being here, Serena. That's been Ohed Opaku. Have a good night, y'all. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I had a, such a blast talking to Serena. Uh, it was really cool learning that she was one my age. So I felt like uh, I definitely have a friend in the future I could talk about like older like older series with. But she's also just a fantastic Jujutsu Kaisen creator, fantastic Booster creator. I see she started One Piece and she's probably going to be a fantastic content creator for One Piece as well. But yes, check out her podcast, Serena N2D Anime Podcast. It's on Spotify, Apple Music. Check her out. Okay, uh, this is the part of the show that I was excited to talk about. Few uh, housekeeping things. I was gonna keep doing Jujutsu Kaisen, but I'm trying to get Patreon and stuff figured out. So I think I'm gonna leave the rest of the Jujutsu Kaisen content I have for Patreon stuff. Other characters. Uh, I was gonna do a Megumi episode, but with the current status of JJK, I kind of want to hold off on doing Megumi. Because things have changed. If you know, you know. Uh, as of this time, you know, you know. In the future, you would have been known. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so look out for that. I think the next episodes I am going to do, which hopefully will be out a lot sooner, is me going over the what I refer to as the underdog three of Shonen Jump, which is Mashal, Sakamoto Days, and Undead Amok. Three series that have completely blown my mind and have captured my imagination heart. I'm excited to talk, talk about those on the next episode. But this is the surprise I had for you. Not only am I going to drop this episode, but you're also getting another cool bonus episode. That's right. You're going to get a whole other episode after this one. It is uh, my interview with a fantastic creator, uh, original mangaka of a series called Oblivion Rogue. Uh, Papsulai is his name. He is a part of a collective called Saturday Morning AM or Saturday AM, which is a really cool independent mod creation. Uh, I want to say in-house studio or uh, collective, more or less a platform at this point, because they do actually also have a whole ass app, which is really cool. It's like super cheap to subscribe, but we'll talk about that more. But pay attention to your feeds. Today, you will be not only getting one episode of Ohio Otaku that is essentially a th hour long but you're also going to get another episode that is probably going to be like close to an hour long with me talking to him about his creative processes his influences where he comes from he's a fantastic person to talk to and i'm excited to have him be my first like independent creator first black west african indian creator too specifically that was another cool connection we had but yeah that's about it for me i'm your boy kwame b this has been the Ohed Otaku. I'm very glad to be back. Catch y'all later.